Greetings. This is General Snobbery, reporting live from the fourth dimension. What joy it brings me to inform you that, after six weeks of visions and transformations, Matt has returned from the Appalachian Trail. General Snobbery is officially reunited. Join the conversation of the reuniting as your hosts set forth the stage for what is to come, assimilating Matt's warlord visions into practical motion forth. Roland Emmerich, we send you joy, peace, and love from this extra-dimensional reality. Listener, you might have noticed that a familiar voice is back. Matt hath returned. Yeah, that's right. I am I am now off the Appalachian Trail um, a lot sooner than I had expected because uh, I didn't think of a lie quick enough. I was going to tell some crazy lie, <laughs> maybe about like being bitten by a bear, but it's not that exciting. It, <laughs> I had a great time out there, and I hope you enjoyed um, our previous episodes um in general but also the one where we talk about traveling and whatnot anyway i'm off the appalachian trail because life is funny and uh while i was on it i got a, an email about a job and something i previously did not have and <laughs> <laughs> which was a, a key component of my decision to hike the trail <laughs> definitely helps that decision <laughs> exactly but um i i'm a teacher hear me roar. And that was, <laughs> that was kind of dumb. Uh, and, and I hope I didn't infringe on any copyright lyrics. And uh, That's okay. We probably yeah. did, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, they're not listening to this. Um, and <laughs> Probably never will. <laughs> but if you are listening to this and you happen to know Roland Emmerich, please let him, please tell him, uh, direct him to us. More on that soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a little, a little teaser, if you will. <laughs> Uh, I was, I was hiking the Appalachian Trail. I did it for about six weeks. And at one point, I, I was in civilization and I looked at my phone and I got an email from a school that had had a sort of a last minute departure of a teacher. And they were asked if I was interested. And so I decided to take them up on it. And anyway, I, over the course of like a week, I did a phone interview and then I, Flew across the country, interviewed, got the job, and now here I am. And I must say, uh, I'm part of my vast excitement was being able to come back and being able to serenade you, one listener, with my sometimes nasally voice and cackling, growling laugh. Yes, yes. The great reuniting of general snobbery has at last occurred. And so, and I just, uh, what's that? I just want to give a special thanks to Sean, uh, one <laughs> listener who has done so much in my absence to uh, keep you entertained and, um, you know, things that if you haven't heard in a while, you definitely need to check out what's going on on Twitter. Um, <laughs> General Snobber, we now have, um, hundreds of 
right? Is hundreds of hundreds. Um, I mean, some might hundreds. say it's 105. Others <laughs> yeah. might say hundreds. I'm going to yeah. go with hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I am glad to be back one listener and I am glad that um, you get to hear what we are talking about. So Matt, you were telling me before the show that while you were hiking the Appalachian Trail, which by the way, you you did that for about two months, right? Yeah. Month, month and a half, two months. Yeah, exactly. Just about that long. So it might seem shorter to you listeners because I staggered episodes as much as possible to minimize the time, but you put in some good time on that trail. Um, so you were telling me before this episode that while you were out on the trail, your mind was traveling many directions, of course, mm-hmm. um, sometimes inspired by the landscape, <laughs> probably sometimes inspired by the thought of a grizzly bear around the corner and perhaps a replaying of that scene of the revenant and your mind Leonardo DiCaprio is just mauled for like about five minutes. Yeah, exactly. I actually did think about that quite a bit. And I thought if I'm mauled like that, I I'm going to play dead a little more than Leo did. Uh, (laughs) If you remember the movie, he then turns and tries to shoot the bear, which then leads to a second attack. (laughs) I thought it didn't seem worth it. <laughs> yeah. Epic hashtag fail on Leo's part. <laughs> Little did he know that sinister Tom Hardy was lurking around the corner. <laughs> really, really horrible intentions. Yeah. I'm often I often try and be aware of the Tom Hardys in my life. Yeah. It's it's wise to do so. <laughs> and so uh, but, you know, you were you were saying that there was some interesting thought patterns that you found developing as you were out in, you know, the peace and tranquility of this, you know, this distant place of our country. So I wonder if you would mind kind of elaborating on some of the, uh, you know, primary thoughts that came to you (laughs) upon your journey. Absolutely. Uh, There were some some things that you might think fairly typical. Um, The beginning was really hard. And so I definitely had those days where I thought, why am I doing this? Um, most days by about eight or nine in the morning, my clothing was just completely sweated through. So that was just something, <laughs> you know, it had to become a new norm and you're kind of dirty and you're always smelling bad. Um, you're climbing some steep mountains, but then you get these grand views and it's all kind of this great process of sort of letting your mind slow down. And I certainly realized that that happened for me. The main thing you're focused <laughs> on is walking, but there was one interesting thing that kept coming back to me and if I had tried to shake it out of my mind, I wouldn't have been able to, but I didn't want to because I enjoyed it so much. And that was, if you remember one of our uh, episodes a while back, Sean and I referenced our desire to basically um, <laughs> like write the next Independence Day movie. and Like the screenplay. <laughs> yeah, the screenplay. We want to write ID3. <laughs> uh, and as I would walk, you know, you're supposed to be out there witnessing the grandeur of nature. And all of a sudden, I found myself wondering how Dikembe Umbutu, the <laughs> African warlord from Independence Day 2, would play a significant role in Independence Day 3 if I had my uh, choice, or if I had my druthers, I guess, as probably some old men from the South would say. Um, and then I would think about, hmm, you know, maybe this character is going to come back, or what will happen with Jeff Goldblum? So, well, I guess I was supposed to be out in nature having a transcendental experience. All I could think about was... What will Independence Day 3 be about? So I think the real lesson here is that you were having a transcendental experience and transcendent divinity of reality was sending you these thoughts. So it has truly come from on high and it's 
<laughs> sacred now that we write this. Yeah, exactly. This has now become a a sacred moral endeavor that uh, <laughs> it's not just you know, two guys sitting here podcasting. It's a guy who goes out on the trail to find himself, only to discover that his destiny is to write Independence Day three. Absolutely, you know, um, different cultures have sorts of um, experiences, especially for men in uh, young men in sort of their uh, their sort of gateway from adolescence to manhood, and they have to undergo some kind of trial. Or I know certain Native American traditions have a spirit quest, and perhaps my uh, time on the Appalachian Trail was a spirit quest, a vision of sorts, just like uh, Umbutu uh, from. <laughs> from if you're familiar with Independence Day 2, as we've talked about, um, Dikembe Mbutu apparently has many, many visions because he references at one point that something was, quote, like, the strongest vision I've ever had, meaning he's had dozens and dozens. So yeah, he's, he's so aware of his visions that he can actually determine strength of vision, not just like reality of vision. He can actually weigh them against each other in you're terms right. of how strong this they one, are. This vision was strong vision this one was a medium vision (laughs) i only you know i only saw blurry details but in this one i saw you know i could almost smell the aliens goop or uh, something like that as i jam my machetes into their upper spine (laughs) (laughs) so so So, you received visions of umbutu i received visions of umbutu so in almost a circular way yeah. Um, I, I received visions of the vision master himself and wow. those visions just, I would laugh. I would be walking by myself on the trail <laughs> and I'd be laughing as I would be recalling the scene in Independence Day 2 when he slides next to the alien, his CGI <laughs> body <laughs> and, uh, and kills the alien. So yeah, that's, that was one of my major experiences of walking, walking the trail. So I, I'd say that's at this point really the only, Part of your trail experience that we need to revisit is—is is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. The rest, um, read Bill Bryson's book, A Walk in the Woods. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the key detail. So basically, now now at the time of recording this episode, which uh, we're at the beginning of September now, and mm-hmm. at this point, Independence Day three is quote announced and. Uh, there's a 2018 release date attached. Okay. I think. Either it's 17 or 18, but I'm going to bank on 18. Mm-hmm. That's a good good option. It's because, probably not going to be ahead of schedule. Because <laughs> Independence Day 2 ended up making like $200 million or more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of money. <laughs> yeah. So there's plenty of time to let us write the script. <laughs> I just I love the way you put that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there is. Um, and Sean and I have had numerous conversations about where we would like to see Independence Day three go. And I am confident. I don't want to like you know I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. But I'm confident that if if we were just given minimal funds, maybe like one hundred dollars a day, just for like food and renting an Airbnb out in like <laughs> somewhere in um, New Mexico, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm definitely. confident that in one week we could have a fully functional, well-polished <laughs> script. I, in fact, yeah. I, I would almost say in three days we could have that. <laughs> three days. Absolutely. If we could get it in three days, we just ask for an extra $100 each just for hitting that <laughs> deadline. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. From a 
a budget of tens and tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. I think production companies, can't you just spare maybe one grand? <laughs> now, Roland Emmerich, I'm sure that you have your co-writing cronies, um, all five of them, that helped you <laughs> co-write Independence Day 2. And I understand that it's probably difficult for you to part with them. But I think one of the central themes of your movies is change is inevitable. And if we try to just run from it, like Jake Gyllenhaal in The Day After Tomorrow, we're, we're just going to get destroyed. And Absolutely. We're going to get stuck out in the cold. So we have to embrace these changes of life. Like Mbutu had to embrace the loss of his brother and move on or else he would be sitting and tortured by his visions without actually making a difference in <laughs> the United States foreign policy. <laughs> exactly. You know, Roland Emmerich, I would like for you to think for a second of, of movie critics, um, some of whom were, we disagree with wholeheartedly in uh, any critiques they had about Independence Day 3. Yes. Now, I want you to imagine they're basically the Colonel Tavingtons of life. So I'm now, re for, for our one listener, I'm now referencing the Patriot. Uh, all those... <laughs> Those, as we like to say these days, haters, uh, <laughs> uh, which is actually a word that I think is way overused, but whatever. These jerks, these uh, critics, they're basically like Colonel Tavington, and um, we are the the um, flaming bayonet lying on the uh, battlefield that Mel Gibson uh, uses to finally finish off Tavington. So that was really kind of bold and stupid. <laughs> But The Patriot is one of my favorite movies. It was my sick day movie growing up. If I was ever sick, I would watch The Patriot. So On VHS. I know, um, let me think. Um, no, actually, we had that on DVD. But oh, wow. I remember, I, I think normally The Patriot was long enough. It would have been a two, two uh, VHS set. But by the late 90s, VHS technology was so advanced that they could have a movie as long as The Patriot or Gladiator on one VHS. It was amazing. Wow. Unbelievable. Try that, James Cameron. <laughs> Hashtag Titanic. <laughs> An upcoming episode, without a doubt. <laughs> so basically, Roland Emmerich, what we're saying is that we get you. We get you. We get it. These critics who bashed Independence Day resurgence, they just don't get it. They're bashing exactly. it, saying that it's a formulaic storyline and that there's no heart to it. It's just another stupid Hollywood blockbuster. They, Their hearts aren't open enough to the hearts of your films, but ours are. And it's happened through years of viewing, and it happened even more through Umbutu. <laughs> through the presence of Umbutu, our hearts were open, and we got it, and we understood that... This is the most enjoyable movie experience that we could ever possibly have. It's <laughs> Independence Day Resurgence in 3D. And thus, we officially announce our public campaign to write Independence Day <laughs> 3. And now this goes out to you as well, listener, because we need your help. There's a good chance that Roland Emmerich is not listening to this. So... <laughs> The first thing we need you to do is follow us on, on Twitter at General Snobbery and retweet everything that we say about writing Independence Day 3 at Roland Emmerich so that <laughs> basically, Matt, you made the connection to uh, that scene from the Shawshank Redemption, right? 
uh, which the, one? Well, the the scene where Andy Dufresne writes a letter to get... Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. So if you're familiar with the Shawshank Redemption, the main character, Andy Dufresne, wants a library. And so he writes the state government for funds and they keep saying no, but he writes a letter a day for years and years and years. And uh, and that's where I feel like we are now. We're we're basically sending a tweet a day at Roland Emmerich, and sometimes we um we send it to Bill Pullman as well at Billy Pullman. Yes, who hasn't um, tweeted since two thousand nine. Maybe that's when maybe that's when he started preparing for the character of President Whitmore in Independence Day two. So he let himself devolve into psychological essentially uh pitfalls good point know? good point so he he maybe secluded himself from all technology and yes um, i think his one line on twitter like you know his you have your little biography line i think his mm-hmm. is i'm the king of new york <laughs> <laughs> so i'll tell you what uh, yeah. i have no idea what that means but it's hilarious <laughs> so one of our hashtags is uh Pullman is Pullman is king, right? Oh, that's right. Pullman is king. Yeah. Pullman is the one true king. Works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Another king. one is Pullman rules. Capital P, capital R. But I guess yes. the capitals don't matter. It just looks better. A good hashtag to connect is hashtag Umbutu. That's one mm-hmm. that we regularly use. Um, and that's U U M B U T U, just like it sounds. And just exactly. like you would imagine it would be. <laughs> we are also following the actor who plays Umbutu on Twitter, and we will be tweeting at him regularly at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we need him to begin to prepare for the uh, rather prominent role that his character, Dikembe Umbutu, will, will play in Independence Day 3. Now that, now that we know um, the world is truly at risk, uh, being attacked a second time, which Roland Emmerich is such a wonderful twist that you made the sequel in real time we're like okay so it's 20 years later um let's see what happened 20 years later (laughs) just took these aliens 20 years to get their craft together (laughs) exactly so you need to follow us on twitter listener and you need to retweet our tweets you need to join the campaign because if you're listening to this clearly something something about it maybe brings you a smile maybe you listen to us on your way to work which i hope you do i hope we're bringing you many many smiles and i hope we bring you some uh thoughts about film and society and i hope that you hope that we write the the script for the third independence day film because really all we're trying to do through that writing is to bring you one listener more smiles we're just trying to expand the uh the delight that we've untapped through the art of snobbery or Mm -hmm. that has been untapped through us through the art of snobbery (laughs) which has this mirroring effect where a movie like independence day resurgence uh which you know brings out the negative energy of amateur snobs who call themselves critics uh, (laughs) they can't understand that uh you know through the true deconstruction of that film there's nothing but delight yeah exactly i think um, if you look at it just in a surface way and you let your mind stay there, maybe you're going to fall into the, 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 the trap or the pitfall of, of just as some critics did, just claiming it to be an average, um, blockbuster. But I feel sad I, for those people who feel that. I do too. And, you know, Sean and I have mentioned before our respect and love for Roger Ebert, the great film critic. Yes. And, I remember, if I'm correct, Roger Ebert consistently gave Roland Emmerich very good reviews. He did. At least <laughs> yeah. three stars. Yeah, exactly. And because they're, 
it's something I love. Uh, Roland, now I'm speaking straight to you. There's no reason to speak about you, you know, in the third person. I'm just going to go straight. This whole episode is for you, Roland. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so is pretty much every episode that will release between now and the day you decide to let us write Independence Day 3. <laughs> yeah, this goes out to you. Something I love about your films is just how you don't shy away from destruction. And <laughs> there's always something destroyed. And I think it's not just in a in an arbitrary way like um like another director someone like michael bay who is just having like uh you know people running down the street and everything blowing up including probably think like fruit stands it's kind of like like a a frat party on screen it's a michael bay movie (laughs) (laughs) that is like so absolutely true uh and if you're in a frat you shouldn't be proud of that (laughs) I myself was in a fraternity, not a frat. Um, Basically, uh, Roland, we're just telling you that you're great. We're not just sucking up to you. That's only part of it. The other part is that we are completely ready to write this movie. I've downloaded screenwriting software. I've written at least six screenplays. Matt's written four to five polished complete a few of them have been made into feature length films but this is the one that we've really really been waiting our whole careers for so we've drafted up scenes already like written them out not just spoken about them in our minds so we're ready to send those out but as a a final message to you listener um, thank you for being on our side through this crusade because we need you we need you to do these Retweets. We need you to vote in our polls that we put on Twitter, which will basically be a yes or no question of whether or not we should write Independence Day 3. So we need to consistently get 100% yeses, and that's some great data we can send to the production companies and just continue to build our following. Because essentially, Matt, I think what we're, we're doing here is we're just, we're just trying to live the dream. <laughs> we're just... We are just trying to live the dream, Sean. That's is that so much to ask? That's that's all it is. Every moment of this is just living the dream. So that is a um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> what what Sean is referring to here is basically the phrase that I'm sure you've heard before: living the dream. And that is a phrase that. Um, well, I don't really know where to begin with it because for me, it doesn't start in the head, but it starts deep in the pit of my stomach when it starts to turn and, and ache. <laughs> every time you hear that phrase. Every time I hear that phrase and uh, the person saying it is even somewhat serious. There are times I'll hear someone say it like, Sean, when you say it to me, when it's obviously a complete, uh, <laughs> completely sarcastic <laughs> and, and it's enjoyable. Um but when I hear someone say live in the dream, I don't, it's sort of like all the categories of my mind dissolve and I'm not sure where to begin with my <laughs> anger, to be quite frank. <laughs> all the categories are gone and there is only anger. And therefore we have no <laughs> understanding of how we possibly respond in that scenario. Like exactly. the impulse is to go just like full Lord of the Flies savage and really see the complete collapse of civilization as we've come to know it. But I guess too embedded in our minds is that's not appropriate usually. (laughs) Yeah, I can't can't think of a situation where it would actually be appropriate to say that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. So living the dream. If if someone came to me and said, "Hey, Sean, I I started uh, tweeting at Roland Emmerich and." You know, kept telling him that I wanted to write Independence Day 3 and kept sending him my great ideas. And eventually he agreed. And now I'm writing the Independence Day (laughs) sequel, the the second sequel. And then he followed that statement by kind of putting his hands up and uh, rolling his eyes back a little bit and saying, just live in the dream. I would say, wow, you, you really are. You're living the dream. But when I like past someone at work and it's just through like the daily routine of the job and i just passed this co-worker who's been there for you know like 20 years and he's like hey man how's it going today and he kind of shrugs and just goes living the dream and just continues down the hallway <laughs> while you might feel extreme anger matt i i tend to feel an existential woe that I don't think is matched by any other experience that I regularly have. That's amazing. That's amazing. Maybe, um, Sean, if I might press you, (laughs) I'm going to put you on a full court press here. Uh, I'm going to use that phrase from now on. I just yeah. kind of liked it. <laughs> you could you could uh, take a tooth out on me here. Yeah, I'm going to take a tooth out on you. Um, I, to- I Oh, maybe you want to share with our listener what you mean by something like existential woe. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> well, um, I'd say it's a combination of the most extreme dread and the most <laughs> profound sadness that my soul is able to bear while still allowing me to function in this world, at least to a relative degree. Like, basically, it's everything in my power to not just basically become goop like that cop guy in, Tran- or in Terminator 2. Like, to just basically, like, become a liquid on the spot because I'm so mm-hmm. completely devastated by that response to the situation (laughs) it just somehow saying that in a situation that clearly is not living the dream that is clearly like the opposite of living my dream is is just so sad it just implies this limit to my life and like well this is as far as i made it like some some American dream, like whoever says that has just completely given up on the fact that anything could be better than this potential situation, which he is clearly not happy about. And I do have a specific person in mind who I pass and who regularly says that. So that's allowing me to really create this scene. And, you know, if someone is loving teaching and clearly is loving that experience and living that dream of theirs, then that's great. But when... The person clearly had other dreams and says it in this really sad way. I, I, I feel like there's just no hope. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right, and it's it's hard to see that that hopelessness. And what comes to mind when I think of existential woe, I think of the opening scene of Independence Day Two, Independence Day Resurgence, when we are reintroduced to the character of President Whitmore, and we see his deep and very dark existential woe that yeah. he has undergone in a spiral fashion for the past 20 years. And yeah. I appreciate, I laugh. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's a great scene, but it also made me laugh in many ways because I was so delighted <laughs> at what I was, what I was watching. Basically we have, we're introduced to this 
vision, essentially, of the alien populace. And out of nowhere, President Whitmore just kind of jerks awake in bed. And he's just Mm -hmm. breathing really deeply. So he's awoken from this uh, vision nightmare in a state of (laughs) existential woe. Yeah, I I hope that they filmed that scene by... Um, letting Bill Pullman just fall asleep and then, <laughs> then just like waking him up really violently. Yeah. Bill! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've made him fall asleep to, uh, a recurring clip of that scene from Lost Highway where that really creepy guy comes into the party. And I'm not sure if you've seen this scene, Matt, or if you've seen this scene, listener, but I will post it in the show notes where it's a David Lynch film and it's one of the most just, horrifying moments of film where this mystery man comes into a a room and tells bill pullman that he's simultaneously there in front of him and also at his house at the same time and he's very (laughs) pale and looks like the devil and it's scary so yeah i'd like to think that to get into the character of whitmore he just kind of watched that scene over and over to really expand the uh the, the vast landscape of his existential woe and I, I know that Bill Pullman would go through that, and Roland Emmerich, I know you would respect Bill Pullman enough to allow him to go through that. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe, maybe Matt, as we're, uh, I think, approaching the third act of this particular podcast, we might, mm-hmm. uh, we might offer up our, our listeners a little treat and maybe delight in some of the scenes and specific ideas that we have for independence day three without you know revealing too much since we will be writing the script yeah that's a oh man i don't i'm not sure where to begin with that and that's a good thing yeah Um, well because i i I had the idea of uh i think you had an idea of a a first scene that's similar to this one but it involves mbutu where uh, oh yes of course of course (laughs) you know what i'm talking about yeah i do um mbutu (laughs) <laughs> it's it just like i love it so much visions are but, too heavy right now <laughs> yeah i'm having way them. too many warlord visions <laughs> first of all in independence day three um anytime dikembe umbutu has a vision it will be referred to as a warlord vision um and i don't think this is giving away too much because most people probably don't um maybe even remember the character of floyd but um <laughs> If you remember, Floyd was Jeff Goldblum's sidekick, who then instantly became Umbutu's sidekick. <laughs> and, and we, Sean and I, have talked before about maybe, maybe the possibility that Floyd was just a sort of a, an alter ego of Umbutu. That they're you know, really would, one and the same. Exactly, they're one and the same. Um, Umbutu is a strong but just African warlord, and uh, Floyd is a weak and stupid american clerical (laughs) clerical worker so they're pretty much polar opposites and yet at the end of independence day 2 umbutu tells floyd that he has the the spirit of a warrior yeah um so anyway uh floyd is now a political (laughs) advisor for umbutu who has um advanced in african politics is and is essentially the kind of the leader of maybe now a group of African nations, maybe the African Union, which is a real international body. Perhaps Mbutu <laughs> is uh, because of his – he's a very just man despite being a, a warlord. He's a very just man and he uh, perhaps is – that's just sort of where his character is gone. He's 
he's now sort of the leader of uh, Africa in many ways, and he um, he works on behalf of the African people to ensure that some of the benefits of the technology that humans have reaped from the aliens makes their way toward uh, furthering the development of that impoverished nation um, and sorry and to uh, and to avenge all of their brothers not just his own brother exactly many brothers have been killed throughout the african ground war that took place after night the war of 96 yeah and so uh, many years Ubuntu, many yeah <laughs> many years when uh europe and the united states just sort of <laughs> turned their back on africa <laughs> oh you go fight those aliens on the ground yeah, yeah just keep them out of our countries we're good over here <laughs> exactly which again thank you roland emmerich for being willing to put in themes of colonization and post-colonialism into a blockbuster movie I appreciate no it. one else does that yeah, yeah. um so Umbutu, um, you know, he he has many visions and they're very strong. Many and warlord he, visions. Many. Sorry, I'm very sorry. I made the mistake there. <laughs> he has many warlord visions and they're very strong. He always has the machetes on his back, by the way, even when he's like addressing all the world leaders. Those and machetes sleeping. are... <laughs> especially, especially sleeping. He learned that the aliens like to attack in, in the night. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, maybe even there there can be a scene where he's literally wearing an old fashioned pajama suit, you know, like, <laughs> and yet his machetes are still strapped to his back. <laughs> he's walking around at night, you know, getting like a midnight glass of water, and, and he has his machetes <laughs> on his back. Um, so I think, yeah, the, as Sean and I said, you have to watch Independence Day two with a fun eye, and because an action movie should be fun, it should be exciting too, but it should also be funny. And so I think a scene like that would be very funny. Um, but you'd have to film in a way where it's like serious, because anyway, it's action movies are kind of in some ways a mockery of real life, because because <laughs> they're so outlandish. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I've talked a lot. How about Sean? You drop us. You you pull a tooth out on Umbutu right now. Yeah. So or, or any other character. Oh, I've, I'm I've got plenty on Umbutu. So <laughs> <laughs> plenty of teeth to pull on Umbutu. <laughs> so. Matt, you sent me a, a text message at one point of an mm-hmm. idea you had for the beginning of Independence Day 3 that I love so much. And so you've already established that Floyd is the top advisor <laughs> for Ubuntu. And so in homage to the great Independence Day 2 intro where Bill Pullman has a you know nightmare vision of the aliens, mm-hmm. we have this new vision of the aliens in the depths of space or you know, wherever they are. And I, I'm not saying that in like, we haven't figured it out yet. I'm saying that that doesn't matter. They're just there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, there's a vision. And then I think what your idea was, Matt, was that Umbutu then wakes up in kind of a cold sweat and he's afraid. And then the camera pans to Floyd, who's sitting right <laughs> beside him. And Floyd's first line is, was it another one of your visions? <laughs> Warlord visions. <laughs> Was it a warlord vision? <laughs> was it a warlord vision? Um, and I was thinking about this scene even a little further, and maybe maybe Dikembe Umbutu waking up in his cold sweat, um, like in in a state of utter like anxiety and surprise, whips out one of his machetes and hits it into like a desk or a chair <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And Floyd so. is so used to this that he just sits there calmly. He doesn't even respond. <laughs> Floyd has somehow been the guy who like calms the African man because, you know, since we've already established that they are the same person, yeah, they have found balance through the events of Independence Day resurgence, and therefore 
Umbutu, who is the dominant personality, is able to really, really accept his role in life and achieve his true potential, which has been manifested as the leader of the African Union. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Floyd serves as political advisor and is not phased at all because, again, if if it's he since he's also the same personality, a machete being you know being hit <laughs> against a chair or a desk, or you know. Maybe even if you remember in Independence Day Resurgence, there are like, um, like alien skulls on the wall, almost like one would mount a deer head or a boar's head on like a hunting lodge wall. <laughs> there are like alien heads, I'm pretty sure, at least skulls just like hanging from the walls. And so, uh, it's not rare for Umbutu to wake up in a cold sweat, having just seen a vision about, you know, about many things and, and hit one of those with his machete. But, Something I want you to consider, listeners, what what vision does Umbutu see in that opening scene? You know, the aliens are not going to stop. Um, Brackish says that the humans are ready to kick alien butt, literally the last line of the movie. True. And, um, you know, it's great. Uh, I don't know if I know of any other movie that ends with the word butt. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah. I think this might be a first and certainly a delight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would, I mean, I guess we can go with the whole, you know, actual time between movies is actual time between events of movies. Mm-hmm. So this one will end up being a mere two years after the events of Independence Day Resurgence, which is great because two years is plenty of time for Umbutu to take control of Africa and to mm-hmm. lead all African people. And it's... <laughs> Plenty of time for, well, a lot of other fun stuff that we have planned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't, I, pardon me, I don't know how much to say about uh, another character that we've talked about. I mean, we've referenced it kind of on Twitter. So, <laughs> I mean, I wonder, I don't know if we should, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe you can uh, just this, mention the character. Uh, um, I'll like, I'll like mouth it to you. I, I thought that's who you were okay, talking that's a, about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think what should we say something? I mean, maybe we should leave this one um, with a, a cryptic, a cryptic message that the uh, okay. most attuned of one listeners will uh, will follow. So, if we recall, in Independence Day, the original, Brackish Okun is <laughs> what a great name <laughs> brackish okun is taken over by aliens at one point and then he's you know slammed against the wall is it isn't this right matt that's correct okay that's correct. he's slammed against like this glass wall and then really really hard yeah and then there's like a tentacle that's leading into him and he's communicating to the humans at roswell uh exactly what the aliens want to say which is basically we just want to kill you mm-hmm. <laughs> and then brackish definitely dies Mm -hmm. they show him and he's dead and then (laughs) in independence day resurgence within about 25 minutes roland emmerich offers the audience the absolute treat of the revelation that brackish okun is not in fact dead he is still here and he's ready for another episode so let's just say that uh the rules of perceived death in independence day resurgence do not necessarily prohibit a character's uh, re-entry into Independence Day <laughs> 3. 
Yes, exactly. Would you say so, that that gets to it, Matt? I think that's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. And like you said, it's cryptic enough that our most attuned one listener can figure it out for him or herself, having having seen Independence Day Resurgence. I think that's good. Yeah. Now, Brackish. I would like to talk a little bit about Brackish Okun. Um, <laughs> he really took a dominant role in Independence Day Resurgence. And... <laughs> um, just so much fun. And one of the interesting things that Independence Day Resurgence brought up is the fact that there are multiple alien races out there and that these bad aliens, the Harvesters, um, basically kill other aliens. So they're like a virus, um, which there's a lot, a lot of social commentary you could, you could go there, um, go with on those. But we meet this sphere, this, this, um, technological sphere it's an alien life form and this alien race has essentially downloaded their consciousness onto like a digital format or something like that and they know so much they they know like all the mysteries of the universe essentially and so independence day three will certainly be able to delve into the ways that brackish okun dr dr brackish okun is able to learn from this sphere and I think that's that's great. It we'll be able to see new technologies, we'll be able to learn about the mysteries of the universe, but yeah. My question is um you know at at what cost? What uh is, does do all good things come without some kind of problem? And so it just makes me wonder, you know, how how will inevitably when the aliens, the harvesters realize that Brackish Okun is is learning all these wonderful mysteries of the universe and alien races? What might the aliens try and do to stop that? Because that'd be the logical thing that they would try and do. And yeah, and I th- and what role might Umbutu play, who is the only human being able to not only read the alien language, which was established in Independence Day two, but actually speak it? Hmm. What will he say, and in what capacity? Um, it'll be interesting to see. And and again, listener, we're we're. We're posing these questions not because we're interested to see, but because we have the answer. Like we, <laughs> like, <laughs> we have the plot worked out. This isn't, this isn't just like, oh, that'll be interesting. I wonder what happens. Like, no, we know, we know what happens. We're posing the question <laughs> so that you consider it. Yeah, we're we're building intrigue. Yeah. So if you are intrigued, uh, maybe you follow up with just a couple retweets mm-hmm. toward to Roland Emmerich at Roland Emmerich. And uh, through this process of uh, brackish investigation and Ubuntu communication, we'll be able to unravel a very, very mind-blowing and complicated mythology of the universe that, that would make Ridley Scott proud. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ridley, Ridley Scott would be proud. But don't worry, it will not involve Matt Damon in any way. <laughs> It will only involve aliens. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it'll be good. I think I think you'll like it. Give us a chance. Give us a chance, Roland. Hashtag. Let us write ID three. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've been hashtagging, and feel free uh, to tweet that as well. Um, even though the us means. Sean and I, uh, <laughs> but we're willing but to take a few ideas so you can become absolutely. part of that us. It's, it's Matt, me and you, one listener. 
Exactly. <laughs> That's who we really want to write the screenplay for Independence Day 3. Yeah, and, you know, might as well, it's an internet age, might as well get the ideas out there and consult, well, what do you want to see? How do we want to work that in? And I just think something I love about the plot of Independence Day, uh, more so than some of these other action movies, is there's a lot you can play with in terms of social commentary of things going on, and that is something that I appreciate about Roland Emmerich. I don't want to make too harsh of a judgment, and I have not seen all the Transformers movies, but I'm about 99% <laughs> sure that they are completely surface level and have have no no deeper uh, implications on society than simply um, CGI is a lot better than it was 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Megan Fox is hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John Turturro is in that movie. <laughs> so, uh, any final words to Roland Emmerich, Matt? No, thank you, Roland. Um, and please, um, you know, um, let us know if you need any help. We'd like to take some of the burden off your shoulders. And I would be willing to use my Southwest Airlines points to fly out to L.A. Uh, no charge for you. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. So, you have... Two people willing to come to you with the screenplay for the new movie. And, I mean, I, I can't imagine what else you could want. Exactly. Just uh, let us know if there are any things we have to put in there. Um, maybe, um, you know, a, a little product placement or um, a couple characters like the young whippersnapper pilots. Yeah. Uh, let us know. And, uh, you know, we'll try our best and leave up to you what you need to do and... And just please let us let us mold uh, Dr. Okun and Dikembe Umbutu like the wonderful pieces of clay that they are. Absolutely. So thanks for listening, Roland. Uh, this episode is dedicated to you, to your history, to your family's history, really to uh, every bit of German heritage that runs through your great, great veins. <laughs> it's dedicated to you. The rest of our episodes forever are dedicated to you. And we will continue <laughs> tweeting <laughs> at you. And uh, listener, these, this is also dedicated to you. <laughs> it's really yes, we're all one is. and the same is I think yeah. the ultimate conclusion of Roland Emmerich's films. Yeah, absolutely. It, human triumph, truly, every one of them. Yeah, human triumph. All right. Well, thank you. Check us out on Facebook at uh, General Snobbery. Check us out on uh, Twitter, literally, at General Snobbery. Mm -hmm. You might even check and out our website, generalsnobbery.com. I think you'll enjoy it. You can get a little synopsis of the episode. You can see what we've been doing. Um, yeah. And... Uh, you can just sort of understand our endeavor, our our snobbing endeavor. And um, be ready for swag. We know that people like swag these days. And <laughs> be on the lookout. Eventually, you'll be able to have some of your own general snobbery merchandise. So at the time this episode is posted, on our website will be the link to general snobbery merchandise, which will include but not be limited to bumper stickers, Mugs, votive candles, <laughs> and handwritten snob journals. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoy them all. You will find film reviews on our website 
And at the time of this episode's posting, you will also find a section devoted entirely to the campaign to let us write ID3. So please subscribe to our newsletter that you may become apprised of all developments with this uh, noble and, you know, thanks to Matt's pilgrimage, uh, divine campaign. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and tell your friends, uh, make sure your friends are listening to this. That way, um, you don't want to snob by yourself the whole way home, but you want to snob with your friends the whole way home. So we'll all be snobbing the whole way home. Exactly. Well, thank you and have a good one and stay posted for what's next. Fare thee well. Listener, thank you. We remind you to follow General Snobbery on Twitter, to retweet at Roland Emmerich all of our tweets regarding our campaign to write ID3. From these outer echelons of existence, we send you bliss and love, listener, from the infinite reaches of cosmic snobbery. Ow!